It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. It's that time of the show again. Well, it's the beginning of the show, so of course it's that time to make the dough rise. Walter Storholt here with Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond. We're online at livingworth.com. On today's episode, are inflation protections and the strategies for inflation protection a good idea? If you see these talked about or considered, is it something that you should perk your ears up and uh, tune into? Well, of course you should, because that's what we're talking about on today's episode. Brian, what's going on with you, my friend? Man, we are just crossing the threshold into summer. We are so ready for it. The kids have worked hard this year and just band concerts and piano recitals and finals and testing and all this stuff going on is, is taking a toll, but uh, we're, we're ready to wrap it up and get it's on with ca- summer. coming to a conclusion and then the work hard will, part will be over and the play hard part begins for the family, right? That's right. Bring it on. I love it. Uh, love the mentality. Love the atmosphere that you bring to the show each and every time here, Brian. And we're going to make the dough rise today with a good conversation about inflation. I mean, it's kind of a perfect topic for this show uh, for, you know, make the dough rise, inflation rising. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, this kind of right. The, the material writes itself here, Brian. So yeah, we keep it all in the same vein. <laughs> exactly. So what all right? What in the world are we talking about? Inflation protection strategies. I suppose if I break that down into common sense terms, it's okay, I want to protect against inflation. So here are strategies to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, inflation is here. In case you haven't heard, you you may have well noticed. And man, I, I'll tell you what I'm feeling it because I've got three drivers now. So we got gas, gas, gas every time we turn around. Uh, I've got five eaters. Uh, last time I, my, I, I think I'm going to come up with a, uh, like a five guys indicator or something like that because the, the double hamburger at five guys is approaching ten dollars like nine dollars and some cents or whatever I mean, that's crazy that a it's good quality but it's a relatively fast foodish kind of setup and you got ten dollars for a for a good hamburger it's crazy yeah we uh we recently we had hamburgers last weekend from uh, have you ever been to a char grill I've not, no. Okay. Uh, good good milkshakes, and their burgers are normally really good, but something got messed up in the order where we just got plain burgers. So just literally a skinny bun and bun. A, a skinny piece of meat and one little mm-hmm. piece of cheese on it, and it was pretty puny. And I looked at the bill, and I was like, all right. I, I realized we probably made the mistake in the ordering online. Maybe we thought it came with everything automatically where you had to manually add it instead. Right. So our own fault, but still, I think it was like $7 or $8 for that little tiny burger and, you know, a handful of fries, like not even mm-hmm. a ton of fries where they were overflowing. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty bad, but that's kind of happening all around. At least five guys overflows the fries. You, at you least get a small make, fry and make your heart clog up with fries. Right. <laughs> You're at least getting your money's worth there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, five Guys is good stuff. I haven't had it in a while, though. And also, when you get bacon and mushrooms on there, they they overflow mm. the burger with all that good stuff. Yeah, so. it's, it's really good. So Yeah, so there's, there's that. And then uh, I just canceled a, a trip. I was supposed to go out to uh, California for a conference. And I could do it virtually, but I thought, hey, it'd be nice to hop on a plane, go somewhere, and uh, check it out. But that airfare to, to Los Angeles was $1,000, like 950 to $1,000. I was like, yeah. my gosh, I used to be able to fly to Tokyo for that. Uh, I'm not going to spending spending $1,000 to get to California right now. Yeah, we were going to do the same thing. We were going to do a little four-day weekend coming up here in, in June. And I'm kind of waffling on it now because I'm like, eh, it was just going to be in the past when we've done this trip. Um, 
like it's been a pretty affordable thing to just, you know, pop over on a plane, have a nice little weekend, come back, and all of a sudden now it's feeling like for a four-day vacation with a flight and everything turns into what you would pay for normally, like your one big vacation every year. Mm-hmm. You know, that that mm-hmm. big week-long event is what it's feeling like now. I'm, I guess that's where I'm feeling it more so is in that those broader comparisons like that of what I used to get for this amount is it's not that I can't get it anymore, but I'm just getting such smaller amounts of it, like the burger or like the uh, like the trip trip length. You know, instead of a week long, I can only afford a three or four day vacation now. Mm-hmm. So we're at least still at the point where we're still like doing the things we want to do, like still driving around and uh, kind of living the lives our lives the way that we want to, but uh, maybe in more condensed versions, perhaps. Indeed. Well, we're we're just lying low, and uh, of course we bought the Wave Runner last year, and so that thing drinks gas and but just. Everything's lining up for the for the wrong time for me here for <laughs> double fuel prices. Just be easy, easy, food. easy on the lever when you're out on the wave runner. They'll, we put a governor on it this year, so you can't gas it gas it too hard out there on the lake, huh? Maybe we'll just go out there and float or something. Yeah, there you go. Fish from it, just floating fish. You'll be in good yeah. shape, and then you'll pay for dinner too if you catch a couple of good fish. We might uh, have to switch to ramen noodles for for dinner. There you go. Uh, speaking of dinner, before we really dive all into the inflation talk and these protection strategies and Get the nitty-gritty on that. You've got an event coming up soon at uh, Del Webb, a little uh, pizza party action, I hear. Through the yeah, I'll, I'll throw out a couple of uh, previews of what's to come here because uh, well, we've reactivated live events, and obviously with COVID going into the, into the rearview mirror here, that's great. And so we'll be doing a Make the Dough Rise pizza party at, at Del Webb here at Lake County. So if you're listening within in Del Webb, um, I think this is the second week of June. I don't know that we've nailed down the exact date, but uh, we'll we'll have ads and, and promotions coming out for that. So come check it out. We're going to have good good pizzas, and hopefully my tomatoes will be right by then. So we'll it'll it probably be the best pizza to hit Del Webb ever. Oh, I love and it. Then, um, That's some confidence, Brian. Well done. Well, if you knew the competition, it, it's kind of <laughs> it was more of a dig than a compliment. There you go. There you go. <laughs> But, Mark your uh, calendars for that. Check back at livingworth.com or follow uh, social media and uh, Living Worth Wealth Advisors, and you'll uh, see more updates about that as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that out there. And then uh, for future topics, I had the really good fortune of sitting in on, on Peter Diamandis's Abundance 360 uh, conference, which is, he, he's very much of a futurist. I've talked about him in the past, and he's got some great books on the transformations that are coming technologically in healthcare in space travel and, and uh, innovations, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. I mean, just anything future oriented. He's, he, he's really leading the charge and he gets a group of CEOs, business owners and speakers together. And man, it was just packed with interesting and, and good information. But a couple of the topics that revolved around health, longevity, energy levels, prolonging and, and you know, really maintaining your health and, and vitality through a longer age. I just thought, I found a bunch of good stuff in there that I'd like to maybe do a lap or, around and, and maybe share some of the notes that I got from, from, from that program and from other uh, people that I've followed uh, that I actually found out about paying attention to that vein. Biohacking, if you've, if you've heard of that, is, is yeah. something that's intriguing me right now. Very cool. Well, it sounds like we'll have some neat episodes on the horizon as we uh, get into the summer and work our way through the next couple of months. So keep your eyes peeled for all of that and for more details on the event coming up at Del Webb with some good pizza, the best pizza maybe you've ever had in the Del Webb area, it sounds like. So I, I'm going to, yeah, I'll, I'll 
staying firm on that claim. You're you're, you're staking staking uh, staking your flag in the ground in terms of mm-hmm. uh, best pizza. All right, I like it. Uh, well, let's get into it here, Brian, and get some more information about inflation protection strategies. Set the stage for us. Uh, I, I know you always like to kind of peel back a little bit, look at the big picture, review a little bit before we dive into the details. Yeah, this may be a little bit uh, redundant with the whole session that we did on on rising rates and inflation, because those those two dovetail to impact your portfolio, the what happens to bond prices in those environments, what happens to stocks, dividends, all those kinds of things. And I think I'm going to go a little more specific into actual strategies that you could use to hedge your portfolio or more actively protect against inflation. Then we'll we'll weigh the pros and cons of those. And then I'll offer what I think would be the best strategy forward because uh, I've been getting a lot of questions about tips and gold and I-bonds and the like. And, and th- those, th- those can all be potentially good things. But as we look at this, you know, what I'm encouraging people to do is think about you know, how long will this inflation last? We, we had super low inflation for you know, decades. And the entire time I've been in the industry, people have been saying, oh, rates are going to go up, inflation's going to come back. Everybody that grew up during that late 70s, early 80s time period, uh, we've just got that seared in our brains that interest rates and, and inflation can, can shoot up really high and be very difficult to to control and, and get un, under, uh, basically contain it a little bit. And the, the Fed tools are raising rates, you know, reducing the money supply, a lot of different things that they can do, but that can wreak havoc uh, on investments in, in the short term. All of these things that are designed to address rising rates or inflation specifically uh, are, are popping back on the radar. So gold, tips, treasury inflation protected securities. Uh, they have inflation protected exchange traded funds or mutual funds. You, you can find these uh, more active strategies in a number of vehicles. Uh, real estate obviously is is one that comes up. I bonds. I just I think I get a question every day about I bonds now, and you know, some of these option overlays that you can you can add to, to to different strategies. So we'll 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 talk about those in in that order. So we're going to keep go through each one of those and get some uh, more details. I like episodes like today because we can really kind of get, talk about um, not that any specific let, let do our disclaimer here, Brian, right? Like not that any product or solution you should take and run with it just from listening to the show. But I do like getting into the specifics of some of these things sometimes feel like I'm learning something. And uh, so I, I look forward to today's episode. Which one do you want to start with? Well, let's tackle gold because that's okay. that's the one that's been around forever, and uh, a lot of marketing behind gold. So, ton of marketing yeah. behind gold. If, if if you tune into the headlines, uh, you hear a lot of doom and gloom prognosticators for the market. What's going to happen to you know, the Dow is going to crash, and the oh, the biggest collapse ever is coming. And then you click a couple more steps into it, and it turns out they're all selling gold. So, the scare tactic in fear that they try to instill to sell the product. I don't like that approach for one, but then um, to get that right down to it, is gold a good investment? Well, yes and no, actually, because if you go back and chart the trajectory and and price of gold, yeah, it it's tends to, you know, appreciate in, in value over time with, with inflation. I think if you went back to, uh, late seventies, early eighties, I think gold got up to seven, $800 an ounce. And then it proceeded to go down to about two, two fifty an ounce by late 1999. 
And even the Swiss were bailing out on gold as, as a reserve to, to hang on to. I was like, this appears to be the bottom, but there was so much happening with technology and innovations and uh, people had very high confidence in monetary systems and, and gold was out of favor, but that would have actually been a great time to buy it because then it's, you know, it's marched back up uh, close to, you know, in the 2000, you know, high, high uh, 1700 to 2000 range here lately. And if you had bought it a long time ago when it was out of favor, it turned out to you know, make a fair to, to decent investment. It, it definitely didn't, uh, you know, keep up with or compete with uh, a lot of equities and certainly technology and growth stocks. So you have to get into it at the right time. And if you get into it at the wrong time, you could be looking at a very long hold until the price does come back or uh, you may be underwater for you know, years and years. And so that volatility of the price, the fact that you know, f- there's a few years where it does really well and then a lot of years where it, it does nothing or, or is even down, you know, it doesn't really appeal to me because you're not earning a dividend on it in the meantime. At least with a utility stock or something like that, you, it's spitting out dividends and income that you can live off of. So you don't get that with gold. And, and so I, I tend not to, like gold, maybe it's good for a very small part of your portfolio. Or, or we talked about guns, gold, and ammo. Like, like your true doomsday portfolio actually have some gold coins that you can put in your safe and in the safe deposit box or in your basement or wherever, wherever you keep that kind of stuff. But buying big positions into gold stocks, gold ETFs, uh, they have uh, funds that that track and trade with the price of gold. You have gold miners. There's any number of ways to to invest in that. But I have not found any of those to to really be you know, satisfying over the over the long haul. So I I'm going to say no to gold. No to gold as a uh, general rule. All right. What about uh, tips? Was the next one that you had mentioned Treasury inflation protected securities? Yeah. So this is one that you can get directly from the Treasury. Uh, if you're interested, you can go to uh, treasurydirect.com and you can put up to $5 million into tips. Or uh, the, the flip side would be you could, uh, if you want to buy it like a stock in your Charles Schwab account or, or you know, discount brokerage account, iShares and several others make uh, exchange traded funds that track short, intermediate, and, and long-term tips. But I was actually looking at the price and and we have the same phenomenon that we do with individual bonds and with you know really gold prices as well these can fluctuate dramatically in price and so if you look at them over a you know five year time period you know, the prices were down then they were way up and then you know, here just recently we've seen the the price on the iShares bond tip go from $131 down to $117. So while you could buy it and earn a, you know, about a nine and a half percent rate of return on it right now, because rates are high, well, that's come with a 10% drop in price. So you, you can really time these things wrong and, and the price drop eats up what you would uh, potentially get from, from the return now. So maybe now's the time to, to buy into those, but as, you really have to look at what is inflation going to do in the future. A lot of what we're seeing now could arguably be said that we're in a transitory 
inflation environment. COVID, all the stimulus that we had, maybe we're getting back to normal. The supply chains got to get straightened back out. Maybe, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine. But if, if these things get worked out, this inflation may go away. In which case, the yield on these you know, treasury tips will will continue to come back down. So um, it, it's one of those that kind of like gold. If you get it at the right time and you know, hold it you know, through in the, the the conditions environment is just right, they can be very rewarding. But for again, for twenty years, tips every time inflation became a you know, concern or a potential concern, everybody started talking about tips, and yeah, you know, they just. Uh, I'm just going to say a little bit disappointing over the, over the long haul. So I'm not advocating uh, again for, for taking big positions in in tips. Still a lot of uh, trade-offs. It sounds like there with that one. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So that's the, the skinny on tips, if you will. And so gold tips, the first two to knock down as we talk about these different inflation protection strategies, are these things good ideas? Uh, what about inflation protected ETFs, Brian? Yeah, well, so th- this is something that gets a lot of marketing and dollars put behind and a lot of uh, promotion because they're actively managed strategies. They they tend to have somebody behind the, the scene that's taking the money and investing it in some sort of bond strategy. And then they're trading options to hedge these inflation rate movements and what that would potentially do to their portfolio. So you've got a role uh, issue right off the bat in that if you put, you know, fifty, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars into something like this, not all of your money is actually getting invested in the securities that are you know, producing the return. They have to peel off a portion of the funds and use that to buy options or derivatives that will give you that that hedge that you're actually looking for. And again, these these have significant costs and you know, can really weigh down the potential return that you're going to get in what, what's still a very low interest rate environment on the actual bonds that they're buying and things like that. So you, you then look at the problem too is if rates stay flat or decline, the, these are going to dramatically underperform. And so in my opinion, there's there's a greater risk of rates going back down or or settling back down down to normal in in which case th- these things are going to underperform dramatically and if you're buying them tactically and that's really everything that we're talking about here is just sort of a tactical approach to inflation well when do you get out right so you got to get in at the right time and as we saw with gold it's the the right time was actually a long time ago uh, and so everybody else is is making these same trades, and so you're really buying in at the, or you risk buying in at at a top. And then when do you get out? You, you got the same discipline. Well, if, by the time you decide to get out, it's because rates have gone back down, inflation has come back down, and they're, you're not getting the, uh, you know, the bang for the buck out of out of these investments. And so you know, again, uh, I, I would try to avoid any of these. They, they're called synthetic tools because. The option is giving you some type of price reaction to interest rates or to you know, bond prices that's not like just owning an act, actual individual bond. And um, it's just uh, probably a too expensive and convoluted strategy to really get 
that much protection out of. And and I know we've talked in the past, and this does everybody plug your ears if you're not ready for a bad word, but uh, indexed annuities. Uh, we we see the strategy. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Mass screeching and uh, internet searches that reveal how awful they are. Uh, but they do it with an equity portfolio, and then they do the options on top of that. Well, they they do it on an equity index as I, opposed I, to it. I think this episode has already been removed from Twitter because you just violated terms of service or right, something right. just by uttering Probably that so. word. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's egregious. <laughs> but but anyway, you know, doing that on uh, uh, an individual bond portfolio or something like that, it just it, it they're they're not using the options to get exposure to the equity markets. They're using options to get exposure to interest rate protections. And so, yeah, there's just not enough happening there. There's not enough return happening there to, to really give you a good boost for that. So I, I tend to not like those anyway. And, um, you know, it's, it's probably too late. And then when, when do you get out becomes the issue. You're, you're probably just looking at a loss if, if you flirt with those too much. Very good. So again, that's another thing that you'll see a lot of marketing behind. That's those inflation-protected ETFs. And as we kind of are bridging all of these things are, you know, is it a good idea Question mark there, Brian. So far, we're like three for three on you being very iffy on each of these things. This is true. Okay. But but the one that I have been getting the most questions on are the I-bonds. I-bonds. Is this an what Apple about product? Well, it should be. It very much should be. I think <laughs> Apple's going to get into the uh, the finance space. And, uh, I'm surprised they own. didn't have that uh, that trademarked the, with the little I, well, the I, I in think, front of Well, I think the federal there. government beat them to that. Did they? Okay. There you go. I have to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure the I-bonds have been around. But yeah, I-bonds, again, are like tips. You purchase them directly through the treasury, but there are not exchange-traded funds or other vehicles. So you you cannot get these in your Schwab account. You you really have to go buy them yourself directly. And the I want to say the the yield is about 9, 9.5% right now. So this is actually one that's looking fairly attractive. The problem is, is you can only put $10,000 per year into these I-bonds. And that's $10,000 per year per social security number. So one strategy, if you want to get your money market or your cash or something like that, uh, you could put $10,000 in. A spouse could put $10,000 in. And if you happen to have a revocable trust or family trust or something like that, the trust has its own tax identification number. So there's three different blocks of I-bonds that you could buy. One for you, one for your spouse, one for your trust. You're talking about, you know, we're only up to $30,000 now. So if you've, if you've got you know, millions and you're looking to, to hedge or, or take advantage of this really nice guaranteed return, your access to that is very limited. But you could do you know, that $10,000, $30,000 this year. You could do it again next year. And so you can, you can begin to build up uh, a more significant balance in these. And I really like these a lot better than the tips because the principal is guaranteed, right? The rate or the yield that you get will uh, it'll fluctuate and adjust with inflation. And again, if inflation goes down, the return that you're going to get is going to go down. You're not locking in 9.5% for years. That that really is a floating rate. But It'll adjust with inflation. Your your principal's guaranteed, and even if the yield or or the rate of return comes back down, because inflation comes back down, well, you can always you know cash them in and and take them back. And there there is a penalty for 
early withdrawals, I think you lose a little bit of the interest and in uh, whatnot. But it it still would be better than sitting in cash, money market, you know, bank savings accounts where you where you're effectively earning zero. Uh, this nine nine and a half percent that that's being paid on I bonds right now, very attractive. I like the guarantee. This actually makes sense. So what are we now? Three three to one, uh, three three no's and, yeah. and one yes. So the the I bonds are sort of in the yes category. It sounds like. Yeah, I'd, I'd put them in the yes category, but kind of like the Roth IRA. There's there's just there's a limit to what you can get in there. So uh, you know, proceed put put some money in those, but don't don't count on that being a nine and a half percent return. That's going to you know last for a while. Enjoy it while it's there. Uh, if, if rates stay high for a little while, you'll, you'll come out well on those, but really all it's doing is just keeping up your purchasing power uh, with inflation. Good points across the board there. All right. So, uh, so far the, the score is uh, three to one, uh, in favor of no's over yeses, but I bonds getting the yeses on the board a little bit there. Uh, let's talk about the next one, real estate. Now this one's interesting, Brian, um, cause I will say, uh, if you've heard of Fundrise before, um, I may have mentioned it on a previous show. I, I, I invested in some uh, some real estate, so to speak, through a Fundrise platform, which is a way to, with smaller amounts of money, invest in real estate without having to manage properties on your own and some of those kinds of things. And that portfolio is doing great. It hasn't experienced any of this, any of this volatility and, and the downs that we've been going through lately. And uh, so in terms of inflation and this volatility, these kind of like hedges – seems to be working at least so far kind of interesting to watch that it makes me feel good at least to see that value not go down compared to all the others indeed indeed uh yeah and i would say real estate we're, we're talking about more of a you know, traditional investment here this is not a derivative product it's not some synthetic or manufactured attempt to make a tactical move on on the market short term real estate's a great investment you, you can buy obviously if you own your own home right now i, I think pretty much everywhere home prices have increased dramatically the supply of houses is low and interest rates were low so borrowing costs were were cheap and that really pushed up the value of of real estate so the question then becomes well i don't want to be you know a landlord i don't want to have tenants i don't want to do maintenance we, the good news is is you can buy uh real estate in the form of real estate investment trusts or reits I think most everybody that's that's been around our investing for some time has has heard of these, but you can get them in funds. So there's actively managed mutual funds that will buy and sell real estate investment trusts, and that way you're getting exposure to the properties, to the rents, to the uh, you know, and of course to the the cost and and you know, potential failures of of those real estate investments too. And there's there, it cuts both ways, but. You can buy uh, restaurant properties, Class A office space, timberland, uh, housing you know, type REITs. Th- there's all different variety of them out there. Healthcare is another popular one. And you can e- either use the uh, funds and exchange traded funds, which are very you know, nicely diversified. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe that drives the yield down a little bit because they're 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 investing in you know, a broad selection if you want to be more focused and you feel like you have a good sense of what areas might be good or what uh what categories you can buy individual securities you, you can go buy uh well I, I won't name names here because i don't really get in trouble with the uh, sec that i'm making actual recommendations but 
uh, if you were going to have a million dollar portfolio and you wanted to put five or 10% into real estate, that would be a very normal and reasonable allocation. Uh, you know, so you're talking about 50 to $100,000. Well, you could easily go buy five or 10 good quality REITs that pay nice dividends and you know, just sit on those uh, you know, for really a long time because those can uh, continue to appreciate over time. They can continue to pay good income. And uh, yeah, o- overall, I'm going to give REITs a uh, thumbs up. Very good. So uh, we're getting kind of some, uh, a couple of thumbs up there. So we're with three to two. Uh, is that the, the final score there? Or do we have any others to throw into the mix? Well, the final score on those strategies is three to two. And then I'm going to talk about what you might do instead that okay. could work out just as well over the over the you know intermediate to longer term. So same strategy with these next ones of inflation protection, but uh, not kind of under the traditional sense of inflation protection strategies. Right. Well, it is because well, all right, so let's let's start with a bond ladder. Okay, this is a strategy as old and as boring as they come. You said a bond ladder, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. Cool. I'm just and it, not wanting to get on a, the roof with. It sounded a little bit like a bond bladder, which would have made for a really interesting uh, conversation and and maybe an interesting product someday. But <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll I just do, wanted to make sure we were we were bond ladder here. Okay. Cool. Maybe we should go trademark or uh, patent that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we can create a bond protection. bladder. I don't know. We could figure something out. It can. It can. It, it it has its own volatility, right? Like it can expand and contract, and if there you, you ever need to empty it out, you know, you, it's got lots of liquidity. So, <laughs> well, you you ought to be in the marketing department at uh, one of these big large securities firms. I love it. I love it. Okay, bond ladder. Go ahead. Right. So so uh, we know that when buying a bond fund or a bond ETF, if rates go up, the price is coming down, and kind of like my example with the tips, you may lose in price what you what you gain in the dividend. So one way to mitigate that you know, risk of being in a pooled investment like a fund is to just go buy individual bonds. Now, you could start at maybe the two-year mark and work up to 10 years, and you just buy bonds with each of these different maturities. So every year, let's say you did a 10-year bond ladder, one-tenth of your money will mature each year. So when you invest the money, you're going to earn a certain dividend or coupon from these bonds, and that comes in, you've got the income. You're not as worried about what the price does in the short term because that individual bond is going to mature and you're going to get a, you know, your, your principal back. And then if rates are higher, you will get to reinvest that money that matured on the short end of the ladder at the new higher rates on the long end. So what this does, it, this doesn't really uh, eliminate the price fluctuation of bonds because of, of interest rate movements, but you can ignore it a little better because you know your bond is going to have a maturity and you're going to get your principal back. And then, as I said, if, if rates are higher, you get you get the reinvestment of that fund, uh, of, those, of those proceeds back into higher yielding bonds at the long end of the ladder. So you just, you get this thing going and then every year you've got a maturity and a reinvestment. And honestly, I think that is a ultra low cost, uh, fairly straightforward way to get exposure to a conservative asset class. But if rates are moving, you've got some principal protection with the maturity of those bonds and you've got some reinvestment protection if rates are higher. If they're not higher, then you can reevaluate, do I want to do something else with this money? 
Helpful to know that. All right. So the bond ladder versus bond funds. What else uh, is there, you know, to kind of look at from an alternative option here? We haven't talked about stocks at all. Would that be something else we could bring up here, Brian? Yeah, I was just okay. going to say stocks, stocks, stocks. I just it's it's not innovative. It's not uh, new. It's it's just real straightforward, high quality, dividend paying. You've got utilities, financials consumer staples, all of those things have good, predictable, reliable dividends. They have consistent demand. Uh, they're, they're not things that are going to fluctuate up and down you know, dramatically with, with the economic cycle. And you can earn great dividends. You can get price appreciation over time. And some of these stocks and, and real estate too, I would argue, can be impacted by rising rates in much the same way, if they're if they're if they tend to be a dividend payer, if rates go up, uh, you know the prices could come down in the short term. But all of these companies have pricing power and can adjust and and you know make adaptations to inflation and pass those prices along in the future. So in the short term, you may see some dip in in the price of the stock. In the long haul, you're going to continue to get your dividend, unlike gold. You're you're not having that fluctuate with with the actual interest rate and trying to bet on what that's going to do because you know none of us has a crystal ball. And you can just look at the track record on on some of these companies and again focus on on the quality. As you invested in this particular strategy here recently, these are the stocks that have held up beautifully. Uh, and again, you want to focus on your higher quality ones that can increase dividends over time, not the ones that are paying out real high yielding dividends. Uh, if you think of the ice, the concept of a melting ice cube, some of these companies pay such high dividends, they're not really sustainable. They're actually cutting into the the health of the company. And if they keep paying out such high dividends, uh, you could see the actual company you know, begin to, to, to erode a, a, along the way. So to so keep it to ones that have a you know, payout ratio, that's, you know, maybe 40 to 70% of their, of their profits so that they can maintain the dividend, uh, potentially increase it, check track records, have they increased dividends consecutively over the years. And I, I, that's my perennial favorite. It has, I've seen it work well for decades and uh, you don't get into all the all of these gimmicky and um, you know potentially non-performing uh, types of asset classes. Good synopsis there. So stocks uh, can certainly play a role. So I feel like we kind of evened out with options. We've got some that are are less on your scale of recommendations, some that are a little bit higher, and feel like we landed in a pretty good spot here. Where I don't feel like we're left with no options to solve solve this problem and deal with this inflation that we're seeing with the, it's going to cost so much to run that wave runner this year, Brian. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe we should all buy uh, uh oil and gas futures or something. I don't know. Yeah. I will say though, um, you know, we start to get into some stuff here that feels a little bit beyond the do it yourself realm, you know, with these bond ladders and bond funds type stuff and, and, and the REITs even and, inflation protection and I-bonds and differentiating that between an iPod and an iPad and those kinds of mm -hmm. things. Uh, it seems like we start to get into that world where you start to see some of that um, 
uh, some of the necessity of working with an advisor to start navigating these more difficult times that we have. I mean, when the market was just going up and up and up, we all felt like we could, you know, pick stocks and, and be winners and be really smart financially. Now mm-hmm. it's the times where we get tested to make good financial decisions. And I can see the wisdom now of having a uh, an advisor on your side helping you make those choices. Well, and, and particularly with the bond ladder, having access to better pricing for individual bonds, uh, you got to be careful buying individual bonds because I remember during the uh, COVID crisis, somebody called me and asked about buying municipal bonds. I said, oh, yeah, I like municipal bonds. And he said, okay, well, there's one that's uh, for a college and they're doing a housing project or something like that and or a dormitory, whatever you want to call it. And I said, oh, well, those are tied to a specific project. And this is when everybody was shutting down, not going to class, not going to, you know, on campus. I said, you, you could be in a situation where this particular college may not have the revenue to pay for that bond. So bonds are, can be uh, tricky. You want to keep it to general obligation, uh, top corporate credit quality and, and ratings. So you, you can look at some of those things as a cue. But the bond market is also very, it's not as efficient as the stock market. And so you can see some very skewed pricing on bonds and it can go both ways. You can find some really good bargains. All the people usually snap those up pretty quick. You can also find some bonds that are overpriced. And um, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Well, I've mentioned it before. Uh, Brian is a certified financial planner and he has achieved that certification, which is the standard of excellence in financial planning. CFP professionals meet rigorous education, training, and ethical standards and are committed to serving their clients' best interests today to prepare you for a more secure tomorrow. And that's a really important part of that line, clients' best interests. Keep that in mind whenever you're working with an advisor that that is indeed the standard that they're held to. And uh, if you see the wisdom in working with a financial planner and you haven't done that before, or if you have questions about whether your current planner is doing the right things to protect you against the dangers of inflation, general risks when it comes to financial planning and retirement, all these different things that we talk about each episode on this show. Uh, if you want to have a conversation with Brian about what it looks like to work together, give him a call. Uh, you can schedule a 15-minute complimentary review of your plan and have that call with Brian to see maybe there's a couple of ways to get some clarity around your financial goals, see if you're a good fit to work together, and kind of take the conversation from there. But if you want an introductory 15-minute call, you can dial to 706-451-9800 to schedule that. or the easier way, go to livingworth.com. That's livingworth.com and click book a call and you can schedule right from your smartphone or computer at a time that's convenient for you. That's livingworth.com and you can have a chat with Brian, talk for 15 minutes, see if you're a good fit and go from there. Well, Brian, thank you for all the help. Enjoyed learning a little bit on today's show about some of these different products, some of these different strategies, and getting your analysis on these items. Lots of fun. I might have to go back and listen to this one again, uh, even though I hosted it with you, just to get everything to sink in. There you go. Well, we'll uh, be happy to elaborate on any of this, and hopefully this is a little more targeted and specific uh, strategies around around this topic as far as actual investments. And uh, yeah, if you've, if you've got questions or unsure about how to proceed, you know, please Please give a shout. We'd be happy to help. And if you uh, happen to be, you know, local uh, into the Greensboro, Georgia area, and uh, the Dell Web community, keep your ears out for the announcement of that pizza party date coming up soon. So you can come out and taste some of that good pizza and meet Brian. Absolutely. We'll have more details on that in the future, or just check livingworth.com or follow us on social media. All that good stuff. 
uh, when you have the opportunity to do so. For Brian Doe, I'm Walter Storholt. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next time on Make the Doe Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.